0: And this is the Age Group Multisport podcast with me Richard Conway. This is a platform for age group multisport athletes to showcase their journeys. Welcome to another episode of the Age Root Multisport podcast. We're on episode 78 and on this episode we have the pleasure of speaking to Darren Bird. Darren is a firefighter down in London and he's been a firefighter for 21 years. In the footsteps of his grandfather and his father, so he's a third generation firefighter. He took part in his first triathlon in 2011 when he was 31 With 30 days' notice um, to get him ready for it. And he was doing it for a good cause. It was for motor neurons disease, which one of his best pals had been diagnosed with. So he decided he would do the triathlon for charity. So he'd never swam 1500 metres before. He couldn't even string two 25 metre lengths together. And um, when he first started, he was just rocked up in his newly bought wetsuit and did the race, and um, he got the bug after that, so we hear how he went from strength to strength, doing all sorts of different distances, and eventually ended up qualifying um, for age group, uh, yeah, and we have a lot of laughs along the way, and a few memories thrown in there, um, that of races that we've both uh, been involved in, so that's coming up, currently reading a really good book uh, that I was given by my son to read. He said, read this, Dad. Really inspirational. It's by Ross Edgeley, who's uh, an athlete, ultramarathon sea swimmer and author. And he holds multiple world, world records, um, but he's best known for the longest staged sea swim, where in 2018 he was the first person in history to swim 1,780 miles around Great Britain. And the book's called The Art of Resilience. And it's not just about his sea swim, but it's about how he got his head in the game to be able to do this unbelievable feat. Uh, So I'm about nearly halfway through it. Really, really good book. Can't recommend it enough. Um, So if you're looking for some new reading material to inspire you, I would uh, definitely recommend that one. This weekend coming up, um, Mrs. C has entered us into um the relay up at woodhorn which is also a qualifier for the sprint triathlon we're going up there really to support one of our teammates steve hunt who's actually trying to qualify at that race and we thought it would be nice just to go up there and give him a bit of encouragement and um, have a bit of a race while we can so mrs c decided that we would get three of us together and uh, do the relay so Joe Hunt, Steve's wife, she's going to do the swim, I'm going to do the bike and Mrs C's going to do the run. So that'll be good fun, looking forward to that. If you're up there, um, give us a shout out, be nice to have a chat and a catch up and if you're racing, good luck. And a couple of podcasts uh, that I listened to over the last couple of weeks and one was the Simon Ward podcast and I'm sure I've mentioned that one before. And on this episode, or his last episode, he uh, had run coach on Bobby McGee, and they were talking about methods to develop explosive power and how we shouldn't just run long and steady all the time. Uh, And they are also talking about power meters for running, Uh, for example, the stride. So that was a pretty good uh, informative running podcast. And the second one I'd like to recommend is the Insider Tri Show and Helen on there had Sophie Caldwell and, and it was quite a candid interview actually. It was really good to uh, see how her mindset's changed over the years um, and she still has insecurities about her races um, and she talks about how she's come to go from middle of the pack to top 10 to actually winning a first um, world series. So yeah, a good, honest interview there. Really enjoyed it. Right, now time for the main event and it's time to listen to Darren's story. And um, yeah, you'll laugh all the way through this because he's such a funny guy, such a pleasant chap to have a chat to. So hope you enjoy it and we shall see you on the other side. Hello, Darren. Hello, mate. How you doing? You alright? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? yeah i'm not too bad thank you good good thank you ever so much for taking your time out and reaching out and sharing your story and um coming on the podcast because you know without you guys we can't do this so uh, much appreciated and if you just want to start off by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your background growing up as a kid and how you got into multi-sport
1: yeah yeah my name's uh darren bird um I didn't really come from a well, not 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 really. I didn't come from a multi-sport background. Um, I had a lot of energies as a child, uh, but sports-wise, me uh, mum and dad used to, you know, like all good parents, used to, took us to to rugby and football and things like that. Um, I started playing rugby, I think, about six seven years of age, but I was too young to actually play for a team. My brother played for a team, so I just used to join in their sort of training sessions till I was old enough to play. I carried on playing rugby probably till my early teens. Um, Also playing football on a Saturday, rugby Sunday. Um, And then in my early teens, I sort of discovered, um, started smoking, which obviously is not great to hear. But um, And then back then, obviously times were a little bit different, to be fair. And um, we used to go to you know, scouts and stuff. And then like all the parents would go to a social club afterwards. Um, and I don't know whether, you know, I mean, the social club's not there anymore, so I can't get no one in trouble, but we used to be, <laughs> used to be allowed to have a pint or two while we played pool and things like that. Um, and then obviously that sort of snowballed and developed. And then we used to go there off our own backs on Friday and Saturday night and have a few beers and stuff. So sport kind of got kicked, kicked into the long grass as such. Um and that was it really for a few years. That kind of become the sort of pattern out out drinking and partying and chasing girls and things like that. But, um, yeah, I didn't really go back to sport probably until my very late teens, early 20s. And I, I started um, trying to get a bit fit. So I put loads of weight on, um, especially through secondary school and stuff. Um, I just started playing football again. Five a side, we used to play a few nights a week. But back then, like honestly, mate, I, I I could get me head around running, chasing a ball, or for a purpose. But I couldn't. I could never have sort of believed I'd turn into one of them people that would just sort of run, swim, or a bike for you know, for for fun. You know, I mean, we used to get up early in the morning and drive past people on the way to the cafe for a bit of breakfast, and see people running around the common and things like that, and think, what's wrong with them people? They're they're not normal. <laughs> Why would you get up early in the morning to go and run like go and do that? It just doesn't, you know, it's mad. But um, yeah, so I carried on playing football. Um, and that's kind of where it all started. I kept picking up picking up injuries playing football. Um, and then you'd have say similar position to you with your Achilles at the moment, you'd sort of rest it, but then that would lead to the frustration and then you'd go back, you'd know it wasn't quite right, but you'd go back and you know, the first tackle or the first time you give the ball a, a good whack and you'd feel your foot go again, your toe go again. Um, so then you'd have longer and longer out each time, it felt like. Um, and again, with the with the lifestyle, you carried on drinking and living your normal lifestyle and the weight starts to go back on, so you kind of think, What what am I gonna do? So the come up with the idea of going out jogging. Um and it sort of all started from there, really. I, I um, started off with very, very small runs around the local park and, and sort of graduated from, done that for a while, just to try and keep fit for when I eventually went back to playing football. And then a friend of mine said to me one day, ah, do you fancy entering this? It's like a trail run series that Human Race used to hold. It used to be on, um, like, all through Surrey, and it used to be on, like, army testing grounds and things like that. Okay. and um this was 2009 so i was 29 by now and i would i literally i was still wrestling with the giving up smoking and i'd bear in mind i started smoking when i was about 13 14 years of age and i'm now 29 and i've been on the best part of 20 fags a day for for that whole time so you can imagine how hard it was getting into the the running um and yeah, I was still wrestling with it, but that was around about the time. I, once I got into the running, just funnily enough, the smoking did did stop. Yeah. Um, and like I say, my friend said, oh, do you fancy coming and do this this trail run? So I was like, "Oh, okay." So we turned up there, and um, obviously you're surrounded by all these super fit people in all the all the running gear sort of thing. So we We stood on the start line. We started at the back, obviously, because, you know, all the super keen ones were at the front. And off we go. And so I just ran alongside him, chatting to him for the first, you know, mile or so. And eventually he said to me, mate, like, just go. Do you know what I mean? Clearly you're finding this fairly comfortable. Just go. I was like, no, no, it's all right, mate. I'll just run along and chat with you. And he was like, no, no, go. And I think what he was politely trying to say was, "I can't breathe, and you're getting on my nerves. Keep talking to me." You
0: know? so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because so, there's nothing, there's nothing worse is it, than you. You're at your like wit's end, and somebody's just like chatting away, and you're like blowing your blowing out your ass. So there's nothing yeah. worse, is there?
1: I know, and, but you say that when no, but it's a good. It's actually a good psychology thing when you're racing with someone. If you catch up to someone, like you can control your breathing down, and then just talk to them normally and stuff. You can see, like they're thinking, oh, obviously this this kid's just not struggling. Do you know what I mean? So hey, it can be a really good thing when you're racing doing yeah, that. Yeah. Just, I'll
0: bear that one in mind. I'll remember that. I'll bear that one in mind.
1: But then I took off and I just sort of made my way through all the all the different runners, sort of thing. And um, I remember coming through these woods, and as I come out the other side, sort of thing, everyone's clapping and cheering, and you come over the finishing line, and um, people are like, "Oh, congratulations!" Blah blah blah. And I think I come, I've come second or third but people were given like i got a load of prizes i was getting like running trainers and watches and all sorts <laughs> yeah i'm not mad and then um after that i just obviously i thought oh wow this is pretty cool you know still didn't obviously think i had any sort of ability or anything but um we signed up for like the rest of the races in the series and um i think i come second or third or first in virtually everyone i took part in and yeah. that was obviously then I'm hooked and I, you know, like I've got that kind of personality. that's
0: quite like, I'm quite, I'm addictive. quite good at this. I'm going to keep on yeah, going. Yeah. yeah, what, what sort of, um, what sort of distances were there Darren?
1: So it was all about 10 K, 12 K, all trail runs. Um, yeah. but quite challenging. They, they was always held, I think during the autumn and winter. Mm. Um, and they were sort of up and down, like I say, the army tank testing grounds and things like that. So, um, it was good. It was good, and then and then from then, that was it. I was, you know, running anything and everything I could, just finding local races, signing up, and then, you know, it starts off you, you're doing short distance, and then you're building up ten ks, half marathons, and then um, 2010, I think it was. A friend of mine was doing the inaugural Brighton Marathon, mm. and um, he dropped out and said to me, "Did I want to take his spot?" Um, so I did. And I think that was my first marathon. And I always kind of said when I started running, I'm not really interested in in running a marathon. It wasn't really something, but it's like the same as in triathlon, isn't it? You start off with the short stuff and the natural progression yeah. is you always, everyone always makes the assumptions you, you're going to go longer. Mm. So I run right a marathon and I came over the line in three hours and 44 seconds, it was. And, um, you can imagine how frustrating that was your first marathon and didn't break three hours <laughs> <laughs> um, and strangely enough, it took me quite a few marathon attempts after that till I did break three hours. But I think in my head, rather than listening to people and 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 on come come race day following a sensible plan, it was just right, we'll just learn to run faster, so from the minute the gun goes off, run faster. Mm. So, as most people have done and will know, that kind of you end up paying for it in the tail end, didn't you? So yeah, once I yeah. what, once I I learn how to sort of run it, pace myself throughout, and hold a steady pace. Obviously, I broke broke me three hours, and then since then, it's, it's you know I can do it if I if I want to or need to. So
0: yeah.
1: Um. And then triathlon. How did triathlon come about? Um. Well, I had I'm in the London Fire Brigade. And I had a governor at the time, uh, a lady called Jackie McConaughey, who was my station officer. And she used to race as an age group before, uh Great Britain. And she mentioned it a few times to me because she knew I was doing okay with the running. And um, it wasn't really something that I sort of took very seriously. And, and when someone says, oh, you should try and do the age group thing for Great Britain, you think, well, I'm, I'm not being funny. I, I'm not a triathlete and it's, you know, the idea of qualifying to race for your country is just like, even now is mind blowing. And I've, you know, I've done it a few times and even now it still blows my mind.
0: Yeah. Just on that, had you heard of, before she'd mentioned it, had you heard of it before at all? Or what was the, when was the first time you'd come across it?
1: That was literally the first time I think I'd come across it. And, um, I think probably because of the background, like this this is one of the things with triathlon and it's a whole separate, I don't, obviously it's your podcast, but I don't want to go into it, but you think people like me don't grow up taking part in triathlon. You know, I'm from a working class background and even now when you look at most people, who t- I mean, I haven't got a highly paid job by any means, but you look at most people who take part in triathlon, they they slightly more affluent background. They normally, you know, I, I don't want to, generalised but they're
0: sort of you know i think um, you know i I think that's fair all you've got to do is look at yeah i think that's that's fair i'm I'm not sure about what people actually do but i would agree in that they're of a certain age and they've got a certain amount of free cash because all you've got to do is look at the age group numbers and between 40 and probably 65 to 69 in both male and female are the most numbers in the qualification, you know, for duathlon yeah. and triathlon. So I think, you know, it's yeah. it's quite, and it's not a cheap thing to do, is it? Let's face it.
1: No. I mean, you can tell people have got money. You've only got to look at the bikes in transition. Yeah. you a
0: hundred percent. hundred percent.
1: Yeah. People yeah. have got money. But, um, yeah, so it wasn't really something that I'd ever sort of come across, you know? So, um, No, that was the first time I had it mentioned to me. But to be honest, when she mentioned it to me, I kind of dismissed it because it just seemed like a, you know, a a pipe dream, you know, it was was too, too much to try and, you know, achieve. Um, and then just coincidentally, very shortly after that, a a very close friend of mine, um, got motor neurons disease, sadly, and, and passed away. And, um, we done the ice bucket challenge and all the things to raise awareness for motor neurose disease. And I, I, I was racking my brains to try and think of what else could I do? But it seems because I was running so much to, to do a marathon or anything like that, people were never going to sponsor me because they just thought, well, that's what you do anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, i gonna yeah, give you money yeah. just saying that you, you would do anyway. So, uh, and, and I saw um, London triathlon. This was 2011. So I'm 31 now. And, uh, I signed up to that for, for the motor Neurons disease charity. Um, frighteningly only signed up 30 days before the event. I hadn't swam other than on holiday, messing around in a swimming pool or going for a paddle on the beach. I don't think I would properly swam in a swimming pool. I reckon till my, since my mid teens. Um, so suddenly I've got 30 days to learn to swim 1500 meters in open water. And, uh, I can tell you, the first time I got in a swimming pool, I couldn't actually swim two lengths back to back. But Mm. we got there, we did it. um, And, yeah, I got through it. Um, I think my 1,500-metre time for that day was about 34 minutes.
0: (laughs) How did you find the open water?
1: So, yeah, I mean, mean, it wasn't too bad. Where where they hold London Triathlon... know what drove me mad because they obviously have the safety boat and it was going alongside you so all you could taste really was like the petrol or diesel from the engine in the water and and that was horrible and that was probably the most frustrating thing um but in terms of a course it was a straight out and back sort of thing so it was pretty easy to navigate um but it was the, the initial bit standing there while you're getting your race briefing, uh race briefing covered in and everyone stood there with their wetsuits on and everything that was terrifying, I can tell you. That was absolutely terrifying. And then they throw you in the water and you're standing there treading water until the, until the, the horn goes. And then you think, oh my God, what am I doing here? Um,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and to be fair, I was just happy to survive the swim that day. Just wanted to get it get it over yeah. with and get out, get on the bike and the run. Um, but no, it's brilliant. I, I, and that was it. Obviously, the minute I finished that, I was... Booked on something else. I just go from thing to thing, you know. So, um, and that's kind of where it all all started.
0: Yeah. Well, it was a a great cause to do it for in the first place, um, and. You know, to, to have 30 days to, to go from a pool swim to get the distance and then actually to go and do open water, that's like, I mean, that takes some bottle because a lot of people would like just freak out and panic as soon as they got. How many times did you go open water swimming to practice? None. You just went from the pool to the open water <laughs> venue. Yeah. So
1: what yeah. did you do? do what did you do out.
0: about a wetsuit? Uh, I
1: bought a wetsuit. I hadn't ever worn it in the water. That was the first time I'd put it on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You'll work out by the end of this interview that I'm not the sharpest tool in the box. No, it's (laughs) not. No, but the thing is,
0: the thing is, you know what? On the face of it, it sounds absolutely stupid. But the amount of people that actually do that, you know, they'll they'll sign up for an open water event and then they'll never like go and practice. They'll practice in the pool and they'll make sure they can do the distance and the mate. If, they, if they're lucky, they might go and do it an open water swim just to check out what it's like, what the wetsuit feels like. But they won't go on a consistent basis. So, no, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me at all, you know. And, and having 30 days, well, you know, you've got an excuse, haven't you?
1: No. <laughs> yeah, I don't think before the race day, I'd actually even hit the distance and all, to be honest with you. So, to be yeah, fair, yeah. I was yeah. pleased just to survive, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Um, And that was it. And well, then, obviously, with with triathlon, it's the same thing. The natural yeah. progression you go from you know that was standard this uh olympic distance and then um i took part in uh ironman 70.3 on exmoor um how
0: far how, how long after was that then
1: that was about within a year yeah. um but i'd done many triathlons in but once i started again i didn't stop so yeah. you know every weekend yeah. if i could i'd, I'd be away racing
0: and were you um, um and how often were you training and what sort of um training um, plan and stuff were you into? Did you join a club or anything?
1: I did yeah, I did. So not not at this point. So I was still training every day, but I train a couple of times a day. Um I would sort of combine it sometimes with my commute to work. So I would drive to the out out of London and park up and then I would cycle in, run straight off the bike, sort of time trial in in, in into work and then run straight off the bike. Um, or if I was doing my other job, then I would I would swim before work, work all day, then run. Um, so yeah, I was just it was I, I never followed, and even to this day, and it's one of the things that I would at some point I'd, I'd like to really do. Um, all my coaching's always been sort of like training's always been self trained and self taught. I mean, obviously I, I I listen and read and watch. Um, but I've never followed a dedicated training plan. And mm. I've, I've thought about this a few times as, why is that? Because obviously everyone will tell you, follow a, a but I can't, I can't stick to one distance. I can't stick to one sport. I, like, I just want to do everything. If I see a race and it looks good, I just want to do it. So whether it's yeah. sprint, half iron, Olympic, I just, I just, you know, so it's really hard to follow just one plan for one, one race when you just want to race everything you know so um (laughs) but at some point like it would be nice especially like if I ever qualify for GB again to actually go do you know what let's just go all in for this and and follow a dedicated plan maybe get a coach and um and and try that so um yeah so yeah like I say so then then I've done uh Exmoor which Mm -hmm. phenomenal what a breathtaking beautiful place um, shame that's not running anymore. Um, and then I signed up, like I said before, natural progression challenge Henley on Thames in 2013. That was my first iron distance race. And, um, but well, I was thinking about this earlier when I was out running and I made myself laugh. I think I've done that the same thing. So the swim starts first thing in the morning and it just shows you how you learn stuff as you go along. And, um, I come out the water. It's still very early in the morning. It's like half seven in the morning, you know? And, um, There's still a mist around and I've got a sleeveless tri-suit. So I jumped on me, brand spanking new shiny tri-bike that I'd recently bought. Um, I've got no jacket, no cycle top, no sleeves, no gloves. I'd never practiced in the aero position. and All of a sudden, I've got 112 miles to cycle, freezing cold on this bike. And for the first, I mean, the, the weather forecast, I had obviously checked the weather forecast. It was supposed to warm up as the day went on um but the first hour or so of that bike course the amount of times I kept stopping and getting off the, I couldn't feel my fingers couldn't yeah. feel my toes I was just so so cold it mm. was just painful and I, I literally I was thinking why have I done this you know and I, I thought about stopping at that point so many times mm. um but again it's it's sort of you know you learn Think- your lessons did not you
0: you do, yeah. These are all learning experiences. You don't you don't learn and become better by as you know, by doing everything right and correct, do you? Yeah. You know I mean? No. And and again,
1: something you also learn as time goes on, no matter how often you race, you still learn things all the time and you still make Absolutely. silly mistakes that you shouldn't be making, and we still all do it, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, even the pros do it, don't I mean you've you've just got to look at one of the, you know, one of the pro races and somebody will put the helmet on backwards or, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're yeah. Falling off the bike over the transition line, you know, it's, yeah. it's just, yeah. It I, see, uh,
1: it I think it was the European champs, in know, Ibiza, I think, um Jan Fredino, I think as he was jumping on over his bike or something, I think he was either started uphill or, but he totally mismounted his bike. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you think, I mean, he's as good as it gets. And even yeah. he's making mistakes, jumping on his bike, you know, it's mad.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So after Henley on Thames, took part in challenge weymouth which was me next iron distance race the following year um and from there i saw that they were doing the so then my next big race was the european champs. so you didn't that and that was in weymouth as well in 2015 Mm. and it was run by challenge um you didn't have to qualify to represent for gb for there but you had to yeah. submit your race times and obviously yeah, yeah. as long as they were in whatever percentage or whatever you'd get the spot um yeah. so that was my first ever gb race um yeah. and i'd obviously raced there the year previously so i knew the course um <laughs> and uh i don't really know how to describe it, it was it was um it was mad of my family and friends come to cheer me on um but you put that suit on and you you kind of you know you puff your chest out and you feel a bit taller and you you know you feel a bit like a superhero but uh the weather wasn't great i remember mm. standing on there and not being the best swimmer even to this day i remember standing on the beach and looking at the um at the sea and it was rough and, and honestly i um, i can't describe how rough it was and i was thinking to myself any other race if this wasn't the European champs and challenge, weren't under pressure to put on a swim for this event, I'm telling you, nowhere else in this country would let you race in the sea that rough. And mm. I was just stood there looking there thinking, I, I don't want to get in that. I honestly <laughs> don't want to. Get in that. <laughs> yeah. But um, well, obviously we did, and I kept thinking, right, right like up to the start, I kept thinking, oh, any minute now they're going to make an announcement and just just say, like, obviously we, we can't swim in that; it's too dangerous. We're going to cancel the swim. And you stood there and you waiting and waiting. And you think, oh, I think we're going to go soon. And then that's it. Off we go. And you're thinking, I can't believe this. So like, normally I'd run and dive into the water. And sort of, you know, I'd done the tentative. You know, so I'm really not sure about how rough it was, but it was two laps. And the first lap, I actually believe it or not, had a pretty good swim. Um, I think my first lap was about twenty-seven minutes, something like that, which which is good for me but my second lap <laughs> the sea got rougher the whole time we was in it and everyone was just getting carried away on the waves and stuff and i think my second lap was about an hour when i come out oh mate when i come out the water i was like no nah, i've had enough of this and then you get on the bike and it was wet and cold and you got like a rain cape on and you're thinking ah oh, no now i've got 112 miles on the bike in this um and then obviously you come, you come, but you got through it, and then you come back into the marathon. And I always think, like the marathon, no matter how hard it is, obviously running's my strongest discipline, anyway. So, but you always think, no matter how hard it is, it, you know, it's your final, it's your final thing, and then it's over, isn't it? So you just got to get through it, and um, yeah. So that was that. Um, but obviously, putting on that trisuit, suit, once you've put it on once, it's you know, you just want to wear it. Again and again, didn't you? So, you do, yeah. Um, I qualified next for um sprint distance duathlon in 2016 at Aviles. Yeah, was that Um, triathlon? No, that was i had done the sprint distance duathlon there, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and that was it. I think i had done mainly duathlon after that for a while, but um, I've got to say that was probably one of my favorite ever races at Aviles. Um, it was a draft legal. Um, it was pretty much flat. I think there was one section on the bike course that went up a little bit, but, um, I think now sprint distance is probably at the moment, my favorite distance. Now I've done all the long stuff and I've, I've kind of gone back now to, and quite enjoyed a sprint, but I think that's probably because you can sort of do less volume of training but then yeah. you maybe have to work on your speed work a bit more, but you can knock the volume back. Keep training for the Ironman distance and stuff year after year. It's, it's, it's a lot of training. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've got into my sprint stuff now, but, yeah, Aviles is brilliant, and I, I know it's kind of frowned upon by most people, the race, uh, the draft legal format, but um, I, I quite like it, to be fair. It's um, I know it's it a lot of people think that that just makes it a bit of a running race, which which it does to an extent, but There are still quite a lot of tactics involved in it when you get the other the other people and like say you're in bike packs and you can work as a pack, but then some people don't want to work, so you get a lot of that going on. And then
0: yeah, I was gonna say I'm with you. It's my favorite format, and I don't see why it's frowned upon because that's what the um, professionals do at those distances. You know, the Olympic and stand uh, sprint, they do in draft. At both, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know so what I mean? So, yeah. so, and it's—I think its it more exciting to yeah. watch, especially yeah. if it's on like a looped circuit. More exciting for the for the spectators, yeah. and you know. So, I don't, I don't really get that whole, um, you know, frowned upon idea. I think it's it's exciting to race and exciting to watch, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I, I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, uh, and it's funny as well, isn't it? Because you'll get people like I say jumping in that bike pack, and they do absolutely no work whatsoever and then I remember in Avilés funnily enough I think we had two Americans on the back of our bike pack and we was, like, going mad at them, you know, throwing a few <laughs> expletives into them and stuff. And they, they just basically ignored us. And, and then when we got to the run calls, one of the guys come come past me on the run calls and, and beat me, mate, I was fuming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, that it was, happens, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. I think it depends. If you've done a few, it depends on the type of race that you're in. Sometimes you want to work and stay away. Sometimes you know you're going to get caught. And even if you do try and get away from a pack, it's you're just wasting energy. So it's like, you may as well save yourself for the run, you know, Yeah, you, in, in you, some cir, some circumstances, not all the time.
1: Yeah, no, there are times, isn't there, when you can see the next bike pack behind and you think, right. I don't want them catching catching our bike pack because then obviously it's more yeah, competition yeah. once we get back on the run. So you keep going to the front to up the pace. But it's really hard to up the pace because you just get swallowed up because the the pack's moving quicker behind, isn't it? So, yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's hard to sit on the front and... And increase the pace yeah. you know unless you're a super super strong time trialist um yeah, but yeah and then from there from abiles i went to i went and took part in the power man is long distance duathlon yeah. world champs um oh it's amazing beautiful beautiful part of the world um hard hard course the run course on it is is tough the bike course i don't remember being too bad i think there's Two or three big climbs on it in in switzerland but um yeah no great great race really enjoyed that yeah um yeah so and then from there i took part in the Ibiza sprint distance on european champs again um i didn't have too bad a race uh there's a bit of confusion there that the, when they set up the the transition the this is really strange, but the, the <laughs> night before they set up the transition on the beach. I mean, what's that all about? How have they not looked at the tide times?
0: Well, <laughs> I, I have never in all my life seen any, any venue race set something up on the beach. It's just like, why would you do that?
1: Yeah. we were, We were there mad, mad.
0: the night before when they were doing it. And I'm like, that's, that's not going to be transition. Is it that that's for something else surely. And then, yeah.
1: I mean, it you looked know, good for the photos when they were setting it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but
0: it didn't look so good right. when not... the didn't look so good when the tide was taking no. it all out, well, did it
1: really? No, no. No. But that was um I really enjoyed that. I thought it was an absolutely yeah. stunning venue. It was, yeah. I know they raced there again yeah, they raced there again this year, I think, didn't they? Yeah, they did, um, yeah. but there was a bit of trouble on there's a bit of trouble on the race. So like on the bike section, um, I had a pretty good first leg on the run. And I don't even remember, something that always sticks in my mind is the duck. I don't know if you, I don't know what distance you've done. If you've done standing, I did or the sprint. sprint there, did you? But, yeah, I
0: did the sprint.
1: Did you not remember the duck that was stood in the middle of the run course, and everyone had to keep running around this duck? They just sat there. <laughs> Do not remember it. I don't
0: remember that. No. <laughs> I remember not knowing well which. I, I remember not knowing which side to go on because it didn't seem to be on the first run. Yeah, it didn't yeah, yeah. gotten off very well. But I don't no, remember the
1: joke. Yeah, You're right. It was quite <laughs> narrow in one section as well, wasn't it? But it was like a yeah. goose or duck. I've got a picture of it somewhere. But, um, <laughs> yeah, You'll have to the send me course. it. Yeah, I will do. Yeah, yeah, I will do. <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the bike course, we'd rode it the previous day yeah. um, to just check it out sort of thing. But when not, I remember we we'll come down to one of the roundabouts heading back in towards the town. And we went round the roundabout and a copper jumped out in front of us and went, no, 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 no. You've got to go back down there. So we carried on round the roundabout and went back towards transition. And then a marshal jumped out in front of us and went, no, no, no. You don't come back in here until you come back into transition. You've got to go go out again. So we went back up to the roundabout. The copper wouldn't let us pass. And then the marshal wouldn't let us pass. So we ended up doing like three laps up and down from this roundabout. And then, um, unfortunately, all, all the, the people that got through just before the, the copper turned up on his moped and started stopping us, they, they had got through. So at that point, you obviously know well that's that's the race over, isn't it? I've been faffing yeah. around, going up and down round, and round about for two minutes, to, you know. So I'm I'm out of the game now. Um, so that was a bit of a shame. And I know they always say it's your responsibility to know the course, but we did know the course, and it turns out we were turning at the right place. It was it yeah. was the the police officer who obviously didn't know the race course so who got involved and messed it up. Yeah. But once the race is over, it does you know it it's it's over, isn't it? There's nothing you can do about it. So yeah,
0: that's um
1: right. and then the next next race I took part in and the, the this the last one I've done for Great Britain at the moment was in Pontevedra in 2019. Mm. And again um I had a really good first run leg in that um I felt really strong. I trained quite hard going into Pontevedra and I for unfortunately as well. Um, but in Pontevedra as we come out of the town just as you sort of chuck a right you went underneath a, a bridge over the road and it was about that point, I, I, as you, and then it was a long climb out up the top of the, the hill, and then you turn around and come back down into Ponte Vedra, so it was like an out-and-back sort of bike loop. And um, I started hearing this tap, 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 tap as you're going up the hill, and you look down at your tyre, and I've got a drawing pin in my tyre. <sighs> so you think, it's, just, it's only a sprint-distance race again, so you're thinking, what, what do I do now? Do I get off and change it? And you think, well, it's not gone flat yet, so the entire climb, I'm looking at the front tyre just thinking, please stay up, please stay up, you know. And I'm thinking, well, I've got to the top of the climb. It goes round and roundabout at the top. And as we start the descent, I've caught up. We'll start hammering it down the descent. So I'm thinking, right. And if you can see the next pack just about a turn at the roundabout at the top. So you're thinking, right, we need to get away. So you keep going to the front, up in the pace, up in the pace. And I think we was doing just shy of about 50 mile an hour at this point. And I remember I can still hear tap, 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 tap as this drawing pin's going along the road. So I suddenly start thinking, oh, I've got a drawing pin in my front tyre. If this goes, what's the chance of me being able to, you know, steer it, stop, you know? So I started to sort of ease off a little bit and sort of fell back through the pack. And um, eventually I looked down and my front tyres flat. So I managed to steer it it was kept obviously difficult, but I managed to get it over to the side of the road. And then I had to change a, change a puncture, which again, the sprint distance race, you know, you know, your race is over. Yeah. But I have to say, it's probably the quickest change I've ever done in my life. So, um... <laughs>
0: you're quite, you're <laughs> just, quite it's, fortunate it's, it's, that you actually took something with you. Cause I just don't bother now. Yeah. I know a lot of
1: people. That, yeah. I, know I just, cause I say, think
0: but... like you've just said, if you get a puncture and you've got to change your tire, then the race is done. So yeah. what's, what's the point other That's, than finishing and doing the run you know i guess
1: for me it's like i just couldn't be bothered to carry my bike back you know what i mean <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. No, I, you know but um you
0: know, there's no right or wrong answer by the way it's just personal yeah, choice no,
1: yeah no yeah i mean i got back on the bike and i finished it and um finished the run but obviously you got the frustration didn't you you spent all that money getting out there. it's not a cheap yeah. thing um i went and spoke to the team manager the GB team manager um so i think and it turns out it later sort of transpired that um some of the locals weren't that keen on the race being held there because the roads were shut and stuff like that and they'd stood up on the on the bridge over the road and thrown a load of drawing drawing pins down in the road um so that was a bit sad but it it wasn't too bad we we turned the turned it into a um family holiday a week out there so um but it was just, that was at the start of the holiday. And obviously it's on your mind. You're just a bit frustrated, did not you? After, afterwards. Yeah, that's but, it. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: you have to let it go. And then the only other, I, I did then qualify for Romania, Bilbao and Montreal since. But um, obviously COVID come along. Um, mm. I know some of them happened after COVID, but there was yeah. still all the COVID restrictions on travel and stuff. Yeah. And I didn't really want to get involved in any of that. So yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't raced raced again since Ponte Vedra for for Great Britain. Yeah,
0: cool. um, you still you still been racing locally and a, yeah. I've, so
1: I've been doing a lot of running races and trail races and things yeah. like that. Um, I went through a, a divorce and stuff, so I share custody of my child like fifty fifty with the ex missus. So um, it's been a little bit more difficult to sort of juggle training and racing. So um, I've had a I've had a Last year, I didn't race anywhere near as much as I'd have liked, triathlon-wise, and this mm. year, um, I haven't raced that much. Um, but um, hopefully, I'll sign up for a couple more towards the end of this year. But my lads, he's nine now, um, yeah. and as he's getting older, uh, hopefully, at some point, I'll be able to get, get back to doing a bit more racing and stuff. Yeah. But it's just, you know, to race, yeah, it's trying to get, get him looked after and that my parents are fantastic but you still it's still you know a lot of juggling in it to try and get in there for the weekend well, and the thing back is the and thing, is, and race and, yeah, um, the thing is life I, takes yeah. over doesn't
0: it you know you, you've got you've got family and you've got responsibility and you know, yeah what we do what we do is a hobby and we're lucky to be able to do and I, it and I, afford it yeah and, you know and i've got if you've got
1: when we're talking about having bigger numbers in the older age groups, I kind of think there's a period in life where people were raising young families and things yeah. so they sort of drift away from the sport. But you think when your kids are a bit older and you've got yeah. more time and you haven't got to babysit them and stuff, you can get out and, and train. Oh, and 100%.
0: Them, so, well, 100%. I mean, I never did anything um, when my kids were growing up. Uh, you know, it, it was always them. The yeah, The youngest yeah. one played football every weekend and that's what we did. And yeah, I, and that's the
1: same as my lad now. He started playing football on a, on a weekend yeah. and stuff. So
0: that's that's yeah. the other thing, isn't it? You and like see. when, you know, when, when he went to university or whatever and, well, he did a bit of triathlon with us um, before he, he finished, he finished uh, playing football and then started doing a bit of triathlons with us as well. Um, but it wasn't until he finished it, I think he was 18, that we started doing stuff ourselves. And, you know, now we can please yeah. ourselves. We've gotten neither of them at home anymore. So we've... It's full yeah. on for us. Yeah, you know? yeah. You, know, yeah. you you'll it, get your yeah. life, you get your life back. It's just, I know. you know you've you got to stay fit, like,
1: fit isn't you? You just, yeah? just You know, I keep thinking. Well, I think oh, if I'm it's not... in
0: you, isn't it? If, if it's in yeah. you and it's what you do, it's part of who you are. Then you know that's yeah. the easy bit. I think.
1: Yeah, but you keep looking at the age groups, going, oh, do you know what? It'll get a bit easier when I go up the next age group." No, it won't. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It won't. I tell you what, <laughs> I'm I'm in the I'm in the fifty five to fifty nine now, and it's like. Uber competitive, yeah. it's just ridiculous, mate.
1: Honestly, when you, when you race for Great Britain and you see some of the guys representing Great Britain and stuff in their late sixties and that, yeah. and, and you know, you look at them and you think they look like like pure specimens, yeah. do you know? What and the, I'm and really, the speed,
0: know? the speed that they're going and what yeah. they're doing, it's yeah. like, yeah, 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 but it's good because it gives you hope, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you you know, that's, that's the what, thing, isn't it? Yeah. and
0: that's why you need to stay in it and stay fit for. yeah yeah and i think the older you get the more you realize that
1: yeah yeah Yeah. well that's the thing i would never before i'd only ever like since i got into triathlon swam biked and run whereas now i do a lot more strength and conditioning as well like mix up the training just to just to try and keep the body well and stay fit and stuff so hopefully it'll all sort of play a part as i get older
0: oh absolutely will yeah if you if you're starting now it's um you know it's really really important well, that's a really interesting story. Um and, uh I've I've enjoyed chatting to you. Um and I think we've just um got the standard questions that I ask now. Uh, <laughs> which you, you if you've heard the podcast, you know you know what's coming. Um just yeah I mean I, I have been asking what people do on a weekly basis like um for training, but as you're not you're not particularly training for anything so at the moment, are you? Not
1: really, no, no. Obviously, uh, I train uh, just to stay fit at the moment, but yeah, race-wise, yeah. I haven't got any yeah. like A races or B races. So, yeah. so um, we'll skip
0: we'll skip that piece then, and we'll just go straight into what's your favourite bit of kit?
1: Well, fa- do you know what? Probably the best bit of money I think I've ever spent, and I've wasted a lot of money on on stuff since I got into triathlon. But I have to say, my Watt bike is probably my 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 best investment I've ever made. Right. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal bit of kit, you know, just yeah. to give you the ability to be able to get on your bike. Anytime time um and get some decent decent training in no matter what the weather is no matter you know if your time crunched you can still fit it in even when your lippman's gone to bed or before he gets up of the morning so um yeah i'd have to say my walk bike to be fair yeah yeah
0: nice uh i've used them i've used them at the gym we don't have one here yeah. we've, we've we've got a wahoo kicker and but it's similar sort of thing. Same, same
1: same same idea in it you know yeah, yeah.
0: cool cool yeah. um what resources do you use for training? You know, when you are training for triathlons, what resources would you use? Like could be books. What books? Yeah. You've read or...
1: tra- yeah traditionally books and magazines, but obviously as times have moved on, you get into YouTube and now yeah. most of, most of what I listen to now, to be fair, is podcasts and stuff. Yeah. Um, Any
0: recommendations? Um.
1: So I quite like the Simon Ward one. Um, yeah. He's really good.
0: Um, yeah. I listened to his today, actually the, the last, the latest one he's done.
1: Yeah, I listened to one of his today. I don't know if it was his latest one though, or whether it was one because a lot of the podcasts I, I don't listen to every single episode. I'll flip through what episodes they've done and listen to the ones that you think are obviously you know interesting yeah, yeah. to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, podcasts are great. They also help you wind down, don't they? And I mean, I used to always listen to music when I was running, whereas mm. I've changed now and listen to mainly podcasts. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, Slight change so, in lifestyle there. Yeah.
0: So Simon Ward, anything else?
1: Uh there's one called Oxygen Addict. Oh yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, there's another one called the Triathlon Podcast.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: obviously your podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I had to
1: get that in there, didn't
0: I? You're the one. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it. It mainly, yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. yeah nice one. Yeah, I mean they are great. They're, they're really informative, and like you, you said you can pick and choose. Um, there's a one a guy I'm listening to. It's called. He's just changed the name of the title. It's called the Triathlon Hour, and he has professionals on. And he, um, yeah, he's he's good. Um, he's quite controversial as well, which is quite quite good. Um, yeah, yeah, has, yeah. Cool. What's that?
1: Another the triathlon
0: hour. Triath- he's just changed it over to the Triathlon Hour. Um, and he does some spin-offs as well. He's got Hayden Wilde doing a, a podcast at the minute. Uh, do you know what? I think
1: I've seen that. Yeah, I think yeah. I've
0: seen that. Yeah, he's he's really good. He's yeah. worth worth having a listen. And the other one's Triathlon Mockery. Have you heard of that one? With Joe Skipper. Yeah,
1: that's Joe Skipper in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's yeah, really
0: yeah. he's really funny, and it's just a, He's it's funny just a,
1: anyway. Yeah,
0: he's just a piss take. He's got an, yeah. his Norwegian buddy on there with him, and he's it's that's really funny. So oh,
1: light, it right light-hearted,
0: on. yeah. So they're worth worth uh, looking at. What advice would you give to anybody trying to get into multi-sport, uh, and if they're in multi-sport trying to qualify for GB?
1: Qualifying for GB is is a uh, definitely it's one of the uh, best experiences you'll ever have in your life. Um, if you do qualify for GB, when you go and race. I would recommend staying in the team hotel and getting involved with everyone else. Um, I've done both. I've stayed in the team hotel. Um, I've gone on my own without friends or family to support and you you'll make friends anyway. Um, and I've also stayed outside of the team hotel and taken my family and stuff And it as much as, as nice as it is, you've got your family and friends there to support you. You don't feel as quite connected with the the other athletes in the team. Um, but, I would say if it's your first time, stay in the team hotel and get involved with everyone else. Um, but yeah, definitely if you're going to get into triathlon and multi-sport, have, have a go and try and try and qualify. And if you don't qualify the first time, don't get down about it. Just just keep trying. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But like, how lucky are we that we get a chance to represent our country and race wow. for Great Britain? It's it like yeah, it's still yeah, like yeah. I say it blows me mind now. <laughs> you, know? you know. Yeah. And it doesn't change no was- matter how many times you do it either, does it? Uh, you know? um,
0: I say this like a broken record. We're just so lucky in our sport that, yeah, because there isn't any other sports that do it. Oh. I mean, I running to an extent, I think um, you can run for England and whatever you're, but yeah, for this at this level, and you know, I just think we're we're really lucky in this sport that we can we can do it. We can actually go to a race where the elite are going to be racing on the same track and course that. Yeah, you're going to be racing on, and then you can do your race, and then watch them as well, that's just like... Yeah,
1: so in Aviles in 2016, Alex Yee won the world title on the Saturday, and then yeah. Emma Pallant won the world title after after him, and um, yeah. we went and watched him on the Saturday, and then raced the course on uh, Sunday, and I just wanted, also I just wanted to throw in there, actually, Emma Pallant, she got up the next morning and come down and had breakfast with, with, with us, the, mm. the you know, age groupers. And then she came out on the course and cheered us all the way around it, which blew my, like, I thought, fair play. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. She didn't need to get up early
1: after what she had done the day before and come and cheer us, but she was going mental for us. Do you know what I mean? So, (laughs) like, you know, kudos to her for that.
0: Yeah, cool, cool. And finally... yeah. Your short term, I guess, is just staying fit and keeping active and
1: Yeah, stay fit. Try and sign up for a few more races, get a few yeah. more races in. And longer and, uh, term longer term, what would you like to achieve? I'd I'd like to qualify for Great Britain again and, and yeah. get that get a new suit on and you know, come and and hopefully some of my races have had a mixed bag of disappointment, like not necessarily all all through my own fault, you know, so it'd be nice to come and have a race, follow a dedicated training plan for it and absolutely smash it. I think I've come like 12th in my age group, 13th in my age group, like a few times and I've never made inside the top 10. So I think long-term target would be to, to break the top 10. And then oh. if I can stay fit till I'm about
0: 100, I might actually make it onto a podium. <laughs> <don't I? laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we all say that, don't we? Us? <laughs> well, listen, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. been such yeah. a lovely chat. Um, it's really nice to meet you. And hopefully one day we might yeah, be at the same race together. Thank you ever so much for taking yeah, the time. Yeah,
1: you too. Back. Thank you. No problem at all. Thank you for having
0: me. Oh, no, it's been a pleasure. So It's uh, great stuff. Yeah. Have a nice rest of the evening. You too. Cheers, Darren. Take it. care. We love, we love listening to it. Keep it going. Oh, nice one. Thank you, mate. Much appreciated. Nice Thank Cheers. you. See you later. Yeah. What a lovely guy. Funny and enthusiastic. And good luck, Darren, if um, you do get back to try and qualify for age group again. I'm sure you'll smash it. Um, but like we said, family time and life takes over, doesn't it? So, you know, you've got to get back when you're good and ready. So, but no, good luck with everything. And... Um, Again, thank you for coming on. Well, that's about it for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. And um, we've already got the next episode recorded. And, uh, yeah, it's a good one. Um, so, hope you're tuning in for that one also. And if you want to get in touch to ask any questions or maybe you want to come on the podcast and share your story like Darren did, uh, that would be fab. You can get in touch, drop us a line via email, which is the Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to DM us, we're on Instagram at amp-1967. We're always looking for new age group athletes uh, to come on and share the story. We're also on Facebook at amp-GB and you can find all our previous podcasts on our website, which is agegroupmultisportpodcast.buzzsprout.com. And last week, I did a thing. And the thing was, I made one of those QR codes. So that'll be dotted about, so you can actually just scan it, and it'll come straight up to our website, which is, I thought, pretty cool. Um, Yeah, so there's that to look out for as well. Uh, We're also on Twitter, at podcast um yeah and i think that's about it yeah just just reach out get in touch and uh come on and share your story and uh that would be really really cool so once again thanks for listening and don't forget stay safe keep training i love the process